ever look at someone and wonder, what is going on inside their head? Well, I know. I know Riley's head. Just Riley and me, forever. Well, for 33 seconds. I'm sadness. Oh, hello. I, I'm joy. So, can I just, if you could, I just want to fix that. <laughs> Thanks. And that was just the beginning. Headquarters only got more crowded from there. Very nice. Okay, looks like you got this. Very good. Oh, that's her turn. Oh, look out! That's fear. He's really good at keeping Riley safe. Easy, easy, huh? Hi, back! Oh, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're back. Here we go. All right, open. Hmm, this looks new. Think it's safe? What is it? Okay, caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! <laughs> well, I just saved our lives. Ooh. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not going to get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Ah! Right, right. Here comes an airplane. Ah! Oh, airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. <gasps> And you've met Sadness. She... Well, she... I'm not actually sure what she does. And I've checked. There's no place for her to go. So she's good. We're good. It's all great. Anyway, these are Riley's memories. And they're mostly happy, you'll notice. Not to brag. But the really important ones are over here. I don't want to get too technical. But these are called core memories. Each one came from a super important time in Riley's life. Uh, like when she first scored a goal. Oh, that was so amazing. And each core memory powers a different aspect of Riley's personality. 
like Hockey Island. Goofball Island is my personal favorite. Yep, Goofball is the best. Friendship Island is pretty good, too. Oh, I love Honesty Island. And that's the truth. And of course, Family Island is amazing. The point is, the islands of personality are what make Riley... Riley. She's got great friends and a great house. Things couldn't be better. After all, Riley's 11 now. What could happen? Okay, not what I had in mind. Well, how you doing tonight? Hey, welcome to week two of Wet Metro at the Movies. Uh, this week's movie is pretty incredible. How many of you have seen this movie? I know $850 million of revenue for this movie, so a lot of you have seen it. Uh, but I'll tell you, this movie is a brilliant movie about the role of emotions in our lives. And I think it'd be difficult to think of a more comprehensive topic than this. We're going to dig deep today into what the scriptures teach about the emotional side of life. And so it's going to be a lot of fun together. Uh, but it's, it's hard to think of a more comprehensive topic, right? I mean, everything we do or say or think is in some sense emotional, right? I mean, we enjoy it, we dislike it, or we just don't care, but it's emotional in one way or the other. And so we describe our experiences and we describe ourselves very much by describing how we feel. The scriptures show us that God created us in his image with the capacity for intense emotion. This is just how God made us, and our emotions are necessary. And this is probably going to be a new thought maybe for some of you today, but I'm convinced after studying the scriptures a little bit that this is a true statement. Our emotions are necessary in order for us to know and relate to and glorify God. God created us in his image. In the Bible, our emotions, now you think about this for a minute, in the Bible, our emotions are intimately connected to our thinking, our beliefs, and our values. In other words, our emotions are things that originate in our minds and in our hearts, and emotions are always about something. And they reveal what we think and believe about that something. This is the way the scriptures talk about our emotions. So here's a good biblical definition, I think, of the emotional side of life. Emotions, according to the Bible, in my study of the Bible, this is what I think it is. Emotions are inner feelings that express what we think, believe, and value. And motivate our behavior. Another way of saying this, and I put it sort of this way, just to help it be memorable, feelings show faith. Feelings show faith. Now, if this is true, then it means that the health of our spiritual lives. Now, when I say feelings show faith, I'm going to unpack this thought in just a minute. But I think feelings really are, after I've done this study, the clearest indicator of what you think, believe, and value. Feelings show faith. And if this is true, what this means is that the health of our spiritual life, and I know this will be a new thought for some of you. I've shared this thought with a few people in the process of preparing for this. I've gotten a lot of pushback on it. So hang with me a little bit. And I think by the time we're finished today, I think you'll agree with me. Maybe not, but I think you will. How we feel, so the, the, the health of our spiritual life, 
is measured by how we feel. Because how we feel reveals what we truly think, what we truly believe, and what we truly value. Our feelings reveal what we're putting our faith in. Feelings show faith. And there's nothing more important than faith, right? In the Christian life. Here's what the scripture says about faith. Hebrews eleven six says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you've ever wondered what does God want from you at the end of the day, how do you be acceptable to God? How do you have a relationship with God? What does God want from me? Well, the scripture has a resounding answer. The only thing that God wants from us at the end of the day is faith. He sent Jesus into the world to pay for all the rest. Jesus paid it all. Jesus lived the perfectly holy life that you can't. He died the death on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins that you could never pay. All that's taken care of. God did all the work. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. A relationship with God comes very simple. Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must do a few things. Must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This passage shows that faith really involves three things. Number one, faith involves thinking. You can't have faith in someone you're not thinking about. So that's where it all starts. God, someone has to come to God. You have to think of God. God has to be your focus. To have faith, you must think about God. You must be aware of him. Fix your thoughts on him. So at any given moment of your life, if you want to figure out whether or not you are experiencing faith in that moment, the first thing required is you have to have God in your mind. You have to think about him. You can't have faith in someone you don't think about. So it starts there. You fix your thoughts on him. You must believe in him. You must believe he exists. That's where it starts. Some of you in the room may still be struggling with that thought, that God exists. But it's more than that. You must believe that he exists, the one God who's revealed himself in the scripture, the one true God. You must believe that he exists, that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, and he will do what he says he will do, that he will keep his promises. So you must think, you must believe And you must value him as the greatest reward in all of life. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That you view God as the reward, as the treasure of your life, as the greatest value. That you come to him believing that he will reward those who earnestly seek him as the reward that they long for. This is faith at the end of the day. Faith equals think, believe, and value. And your emotions are the clearest picture of whether or not you're doing this. Emotions reveal the truth about your thoughts, beliefs, and values. Emotions cut through all the talk. They take away all the spin. They take you right to the truth of the matter. We understand what people are thinking, what they're believing, what they're valuing by observing their emotions. This is how God created us. We were created in the image of God. God thinks deeply and God feels deeply. God's emotions reveal his values. And so do yours because he created you in his image. 
The language of God's emotions are in every page of the Bible. I don't know if you've ever tried this. I encourage you to go home and, and, and just try this. Open your Bible a little bit differently when you open it this week. And just pay attention to the just lavish emotional language everywhere. Especially when it starts talking about God. Pay, pay attention to what it says about God's emotional life. And you'll find that the, in, the intensity of God's emotion reveals how important something is to him. And God's emotions are always righteous. They're always the right ones because God always has the right values. And and at the end of the day, the most important thing to God, if you want to figure out what is God's ultimate value, what is God passionate about, what does God love and delight in, what is it about God if your feelings reveal what you value? What is it for God? What is his greatest value? Well, it doesn't take you long to find it if you search through the scripture. There's one thing that rises to the surface over and over and over again. Every time that God talks about or focuses on his son, his one and only son, Jesus, he just explodes with emotion. You remember he shows up at Jesus' baptism for, for no other reason than just to say, this is my beloved son whom I love. Psalm 42.1 puts it like this. God calls Jesus the one in whom my soul delights. God delights in his son. God is a father who passionately loves his son. This is God's ultimate value. And all of his other emotions are somehow related to this one. God loves us and is compassionate toward us because we were created in the image of Jesus. God loves you unconditionally because he made you in the image of what he loves most. God gets angry and experiences grief and sorrow and hatred because people disobey and dishonor Jesus. God will pour out his wrath on people who reject Jesus. But God rejoices over and delights in people who join him in loving Jesus. Jesus is God's ultimate value and his emotions reveal this. Even for God, his feelings show what he values, what he thinks. If you've ever wondered about God's emotion, there's one passage that I just think does as good a job as any of just bringing it right up to the surface. And and what's crazy about this passage is it talks about how God feels toward people who join him in loving what he loves. Those that come to him believing that he exists, those that put their faith in him. This is you and me today. If you put your faith in Jesus, here's how God feels about you. Unbelievable. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Have you ever thought about God this way? As one who exults over you? Because you've joined him. You put your faith in Jesus. You've joined him in loving what he loves most. He now looks at you and rejoices over you with gladness. With all of your sin, all your imperfections, all the things that you've done wrong, God looks at you and says, you, I sing over. With loud singing. The same intensity of emotion was true of Jesus during his time on earth. Jesus' ultimate value was his father. And his emotions reveal this. Jesus had righteous emotions because God was what he valued above all else. He experienced love and compassion and anger and annoyance and grief and zeal and pity and joy and sorrow and amazement, all motivated by his love for his father. 
And so the question is, what about us? If it's true that feelings show faith, if it's true that what you think, believe, and value comes out in what you feel, in your emotion, what matters most to you? What if I asked your kids or your husband or your wife, what do your emotions reveal about what you value and love most? There's two different stories in the Bible that I think are just so vivid in showing this truth of how what we feel reveals what we value. There's two stories about these very rich men in the Bible. One's in Luke chapter 18 and one's in Luke chapter 19. They're really back-to-back stories in the Bible. One of them is about this guy known as the rich ruler. And the other one's this guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is one of my favorite people in the Bible for obvious reasons, right? If Jeremy was here, he'd tell you all about it, trust me. Uh, But listen to what it says about these two guys. So start with the rich ruler. Just pay attention to what this little story reveals about this man. What his emotion shows about him. A ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He said, all these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So you see what Jesus is doing? He's putting before this guy a choice. What do you value more? He's bringing a moment into this man's life that that is going to reveal something about him. What matters most to you? When he heard these things, he did what? He became very, what? Sad. For he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. If you're here today and you're not very wealthy, Jesus considers you fortunate. (laughs) Because there's something about money It captures the human heart and keeps it from God. Very difficult for wealthy people to enter the kingdom of God because they love their money. And feelings show faith. This rich man put his faith in his money and his possessions and it kept him from God. Faith involves thinking, believing, and valuing. This man's feelings showed his faith. And emotions don't lie. Zacchaeus, completely different story. Listen to Zacchaeus. There's a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him, what? Joyfully. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus had faith. And his feelings showed his faith. 
Jesus didn't have to ask Zacchaeus to sell his possessions. Zacchaeus did it gladly, willingly, joyfully. Because Zacchaeus saw in Jesus something that was worth more than all of his wealth and possessions. Zacchaeus saw the true value of Jesus compared to his money. The rich ruler was sad, but Zacchaeus was glad. What made the difference? What they believed, what they valued, made all of the difference. And what we think, what we believe, and what we value makes all the difference in how we feel. We find this is definitely true in Riley's life. Feelings show faith. Emotions don't lie. We might not like the truth they reveal, but they reveal the truth about what's inside of all of us. Now, we're going to watch this. Pay attention to this clip, and especially pay attention to how Riley's emotions change back and forth based upon what she's thinking, believing, and valuing at any given moment. Her emotions are all over the board in this little clip, and all of them driven by what she thinks, believes, and values at that moment. Just pay attention to that and check this out. We're getting close. I can feel it. There it is. There's our new house. And... Maybe it's nice on the inside. We're supposed to live here? We have I'm telling to. you, it smells like something died in here. Can you die from moving? Guys, you're overreacting. Nobody is dying. A dead mouse! Ah! Great. I'm gonna be sick. house of the dead. What are we gonna do? We're gonna get rabies! Get off of me! Hey, hey, hey. All through the drive, Dad talked about how cool our new room is. Let's go check it out. It's gonna be great. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. I'm starting to envy the dead mouse. Get out the rubber ball. We're in solitary confinement. Riley can't live oh, here. It's right. the worst. Really bad. It's, it's absolutely the worst. This house stinks. It's the worst place I've ever been in my entire life. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's nothing our butterfly curtains couldn't fix. I read somewhere that an empty room is an opportunity. Where did you read that? It doesn't matter. I read it, and it's great. We'll put the bed there and the desk over there. The hockey lamp goes there. Uh, put the chair there. Well, the trophy clock over there. The there. Stars. We need more yeah, I like that. Now we're talking. Let's go get our stuff from the moving van. All right. Goodbye. Well, guess what? The moving van won't be here until Thursday. You're kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, the van is contract. lost? Hurry up! That's the worst thing The van is lost. Just going I mean, the you said it would be here yesterday. And I know that's what I said. That's what they told well, they me. They're stressed out! They're stressed out! What are we going to do? Oh, what is their problem? I've got a great idea! Did you even read the contract? Anderson makes her move. She's closing in. Hey! Oh, no, you're She's not. She's lining up for the shot. Coming behind you. Watch out. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Hold on. Hello. Wait. You're kidding. Ah, uh, uh, stall for me. I'll be right there. The investor's supposed to show up on Thursday, not today. Uh, I gotta go. It's okay. We get it. You're the best. Thanks, hon. See you, sweetie. Dad just left us. Oh, he doesn't love us anymore. That's sad. I I should drive, right? Joy. 
This move has been a bust. That's what I've been telling you guys. There are at least 37 things for Riley to be scared of right now. The smell alone is enough to make her gag. I can't believe Mom and Dad moved us here. Look, I get it. You guys have concerns, but we've been through worse. Tell you what, let's make a list of all the things Riley should be happy about. Fine, let's see. This house stinks, our room stinks. Pizza is weird here. Our friends are back home. And all of our stuff is in the missing van. Oh, come on, it could be worse. Yeah, Joy, we could be lying on the dirty floor in a bag. Okay, I admit it. We had a rough start. But think of all the good things No, that... Joy. There's absolutely no reason for Riley to be happy right now. Let us handle it. I this. say we skip school tomorrow and lock ourselves in the bedroom. Huh? We have no clean clothes. I mean, no one should see yeah, us. We could what? cry until we can't breathe. We should lock the door and scream that curse word we know. It's a good one. Now, hold on. But we all have our off days. You know... Hi, honey. The mom bad news train is pulling in. Doot, doot. Still no moving, Van. <laughs> Now they're saying it won't be here till Tuesday. Can you believe it? Toot, toot, toot! Where's Dad? On the phone. This new venture is keeping him pretty busy. I arrest my case! Oh, your dad's a little stressed. You know about getting his new company up and running. Now, for a few well-placed withering scowls. Uh, I guess all I really want to say is thank you. Huh? You know, through all this confusion, you've stayed... Well, you've stayed our happy girl. Your dad's under a lot of pressure. But if you and I can keep smiling, it would be a big help. We can do that for him, right? Whoa. Well. Yeah, sure. What did we do to deserve you? Well, you can't argue with Mom. Happy yeah, it is. Team happy. Sounds great. Totally behind you, Joy. So... Cute little movie, but here's the truth, right? <laughs> Feelings show faith. They reveal what we think, what we believe, and what we value, which means they can be changed. By changing what you think, changing what you believe, and changing what you value, which explains why God, all over the scripture, I mean, at first glance when you notice this, it's really kind of, it takes you kind of aback at first, when you notice that God, all over the scripture, commands you to feel a certain way. All over everywhere, God's telling you how to feel, commanding it. To have certain emotions and not to have others. We are responsible and accountable for how we feel. And this is because emotions can be changed. A lot of people think they have no control over how they feel. I don't know if you've ever met someone like this, but they, they think their emotions are irrational and uncontrollable. But it's just simply not true. I mean, e emotions are not irrational, People are. Make sense? Emotions just reveal the truth about what you think, believe, and value. It may be irrational what you think, believe, and value, but emotions don't lie. They reveal truth. People have wrong emotions because they have wrong thoughts. They have wrong emotions because they have wrong beliefs and wrong values. The emotions are not the problem. The thoughts, beliefs, and values are the problem. Now, of course, there are a lot of factors that go into how we think, believe, and feel, right? There's a, there are a lot of things that influence the way we think. Some of them are outside of us. Some of them are, are inside of us. And, and you do need to come to grips with the fact in this world today that there are such things as chemical and hormonal imbalances in the body that can influence the way a person thinks, right? I mean, it's just true. Mental illness and clinical depression are very real. PMS, very real. I've seen this. I have seen this. It is very real. 
But this does not change the fact. So acknowledging this does not change the fact that God commands us to pursue certain emotions. He commands us to mix some emotions with other emotions and commands us to squash and get rid of other emotions. I mean, let me say this again and put put it like this because here's really where we're headed for the whole rest of the message today. There are some emotions that we need to pursue. There are some emotions that we need to mix with other emotions and there are some sinful emotions that we need to squash. So get ready for it. This means that we need to PMS our emotions. Pursue, mix, and squash. I guarantee you're going to remember that. We need to PMS our emotions. Here's just one passage from Romans 12 that is just filled with God's commands to us for how we should feel. Listen to this from Romans 12. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. I mean, just hear the emotional language. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. I mean, isn't this incredible? God is saying without any hesitation whatsoever, God looks you straight in the eye and he says to you, feel, feel. I created you with these emotions. Feel them. Just without any hesitation whatsoever. He tells you, love with genuine affection. Hate what is wrong. Delight in others. Serve with enthusiasm. Rejoice in hope. Be eager to show hospitality. I command you to be happy. And I command you to cry. That's liberating, isn't it? God looks you straight in the eye. He says, cry. Weep with those who weep. Feel. I made you this way in my own image. Stop suppressing your emotions and feel them. The Bible specifically indicates three positive emotions that he wants us to pursue. These are the pursue emotions. Number one, love for God and others. We should be pursuing this. Some people say love's not a feeling. And I say it's never less than a feeling. It's always more. It's never less. The Bible just simply won't let you get away with that kind of talk. Love's not a feeling. God tells you love with genuine affection, earnestly from the heart. Pursue love for God and others. Pursue joy in God and his goodness. Pursue hope in God's power and love. Passionate emotion that leads to passionate actions. Earnest love from the heart. Pursue love, joy, and hope in all the actions that are motivated by them. And then there are some emotions we're not supposed to pursue, but they come popping up out of nowhere in your life. And you know what these are, right? You're not supposed to pursue them, but God brings them as his gift. And they don't always feel like a gift. You know what these emotions are, right? These unexpected emotions that just kind of pop up into your life. And they're never supposed to stand on their own, but they're supposed to be mixed with the emotions you're called to pursue. These are the mixed emotions, I call them. You're not supposed to pursue them, but you're not supposed to get rid of them either, necessarily. You're supposed to mix them. Anger should be mixed with love for God and others. 
Sadness should be mixed with joy in God and his goodness. Grief and hope should be, grief should be mixed with hope in God's power and love. Anger should never stand on its own. It should always be mixed with love. I want to show you an example of this in Jesus' life, of how Jesus handled the emotion of anger and what it, what it did to him, and how he mixed it with love. If you remember the story of Jesus and one of his best friends dying, his friend Lazarus, and Jesus shows up after Lazarus is dead, and he finds his friend Lazarus has died, and everybody's grieving, and here's where we pick up the story in John chapter 11. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep what? Anger welled up within him. He was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. And so Jesus in this this little story has this mixture of emotions. It's very complicated. He's mixing anger with love. He's angry at the evil of death. He's angry at the people's unbelief. But he loves them. And his anger mixed with love moves him to help them. He proceeds to raise Lazarus from the dead. And and so you look at what Jesus did with his anger. And it's it's a clear picture of what you and I need to do with our anger. We need to be angry with sin. We need to be angry with the effects of sin. But we need to love people. And when you mix anger with love, what it does to the anger is it moves you, instead of to hurt people, it moves you to help people. Anger mixed with love helps instead of hurts. And this is what anger should do to us. It's an emotion that needs to be mixed. So what is making you angry these days? You struggling with your temper or anger these days? Mix it. It's not supposed to stand on its own. On its own, it's destructive. But when you mix it with love, it will move you to help the very people that may be causing the anger, just like it did for Jesus. Grief and sadness are the same way. Grief and sadness are valid emotions. You're supposed to feel them. When someone you love dies, you are supposed to grieve. You're supposed to cry. Sadness, there's a whole slew of things that can bring sadness into our lives. Both of these can be righteous, but don't make any mistake. Grief is only righteous when it's mixed with hope. Hopeless grief is is sinful against God. Grief is supposed to be mixed with it. Christians do not grieve like the rest of the world who have no hope, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4. So Christian grief is mixed with hope. We are not hopeless people when someone dies. We have hope of eternal life because of the God we believe in. And even for those that you're not sure about their eternal destiny, because of Jesus, there's always hope. There's a story in the Bible about this thief that died next to Jesus, that the only reason it's there is to give you hope no matter who it is, no matter how they die, no matter how far from God they seemed as they were dying. Because of Jesus, There is hope. Christian grief is always mixed with hope. And a person who believes in God and his goodness will always have joy mixed with their sorrow. Here's the way the Apostle Paul described himself. He said that he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Because there's something that he knew. 
He trusted in God and his goodness and his power and his love so that every sorrow would one day work for good. And it just mixes the sorrow. Nothing wrong with sorrow and sadness and tears as long as they're mixed with hope and joy and love. In many ways, this idea of mixing emotions is really the predominant theme of the whole movie Inside Out, especially the mixing of sadness with joy. When difficult circumstances pop up in Riley's life, what joy tries to do is make sadness stand off on its own all to the side and just keep sadness away from everything, you know, rather than mix with sadness. When you make sadness stand on its own, the results are devastating. Sadness should never stand on its own. Watch this. I was up late last night figuring out a new plan. Here it is. Fear. Run. I need a list of all the possible negative outcomes on the first day at a new school. Way ahead of you there. Does anyone know how to spell meteor? Disgust. Make sure Riley stands out today, but also blends in. When I'm through, Riley will look so good, the other kids will look at their own outfits and barf. Joy. Yes, Joy? You'll be in charge of the console, keeping Riley happy all day long. Anger. Unload the daydreams. I ordered extra in case things get slow in class. Might come in handy if this new school is full of boring, useless classes, which it probably will. Oh, sadness. I have a super important job just for you. Really? Mm-hmm. Follow me. What are you doing? And there. Perfect. This is the circle of sadness. Your job is to make sure that all the sadness stays inside of it. So, you want me to just stand here? Hey, it's not my place to tell you how to do your job. Just make sure that all the sadness stays in the circle. See? You're a pro at this. Isn't this fun? No. Atta girl. All right, everyone, fresh start. We are going to have a good day, which will turn into a good week, which will turn into a good year, which turns into a good life. Are you sure we want to do this? In we go. Okay, going in. Yes. Almost finished with the potential disasters. Worst scenario is either quicksand, spontaneous combustion, or getting called on by the teacher. So as long as none of those happen... Okay, everybody. We have a new student in class today. Are you kidding me? Out of the gates? This is not happening! Riley, would you like to tell us something about yourself? No! Pretend we can't speak English. Don't worry, I got this. Uh, okay. My name is Riley Anderson. I'm from Minnesota, and... Now, I live here. And how about Minnesota? Can you tell us something about it? Well, you certainly get a lot more snow than we do. (laughs) Yeah, it gets pretty cold. The lake freezes over, and that's when we play hockey. I'm on a great team. We're called the Prairie Dogs. My friend Meg plays forward, and my dad's a coach. Pretty much everyone in my family skates. (laughs) It's kind of a family tradition. We go out on the lake almost every weekend. Or we did, till I moved away. Hey, what gives? What? Hey, sadness, you touched a memory? We talked about this. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Get back in your circle. (gasps) What's going on? Get out of there, Joy. We used to play tag and stuff. Cool kids whispering at 3 o'clock. Did you see that? Look, they're judging us. Somebody help. Grab that. But everything's different now. Since we moved. Oh, no. We're crying at school! What? Sadness, what are you doing? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. (gasps) It's a core memory. But it's blue. (gasps) No, wait! Stop it! No! Ah! No! 
right. No. That's a core Stop memory. It. Stop it. Let's Wait. Uh, uh, core memories. moving to a new place, but we are happy to have you here. Can I say that curse word now? Sadness is not an emotion to be avoided. Grief is not an emotion to be avoided. Anger is not an emotion to be avoided, but they are emotions that need to be mixed. When they stand on their own, they can overwhelm you and devastate you and the people around you. There are some emotions that God commands us to pursue. There are some emotions that God wants us to mix. But there's a third kind of emotion. There are some sinful emotions that God commands us to squash. Here are the squash emotions. Bitterness is the first one. Because it is the opposite of love for God and others. You're supposed to pursue love for God and others. Bitterness is anger unmixed. It's the opposite of love for God and others. Greed and lust because it's the opposite of joy in God. Fear and anxiety because it's the opposite of hope in God. Bitterness wants to hurt people instead of love them and help them. Greed and lust pursue their joy in possessions and pleasures instead of God. And fear and anxiety doubt the love and power of God. Which is why Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And don't miss that language. When you look at pornography, you are guilty of idol worship. You are worshiping a false god. The scripture calls it idolatry. When you give yourself over to greed and lust. When you value the pleasures and the possessions of this world more than you value God. God says, put these things to death because he says this, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. It's idolatry. God has strong emotion about it. You have traded the glory of his one and only son for idols made of steel or skin. Put them to death, he says. And his tone becomes very different when he talks about anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything. Now he's got the tone rather than of an angry father jealous for the glory of his son. Now he's got the attitude of a gentle father. (laughs) looking at you and saying, don't be anxious for anything. But in every situation, present your requests to God. You don't need to fear. You don't need to be anxious. You have a God that loves you and wants to care for you. Put your hope in him. Trust him. These emotions are sinful emotions, the squash emotions. They dishonor God and destroy lives. They need to be squashed. They need to be scrapped. They need to be done away with. 
Now, just like us, Riley has some of these emotions, and they almost ruin her in the movie. Uh, I'm not going to show the fourth clip. We, we scrapped it last service just because of time constraints. But the, the next clip I was going to show you it was the, the, the portion of the movie where anger sort of takes over a little bit and convinces Riley to run away. Basically convinces her to steal money out of her mother's purse and run away out of her bitterness and anger over what her parents did in moving her away from Minnesota. And if Riley doesn't get her emotions under control, she's in big trouble. And so are we. We need to PMS our emotions. So how do you do it? How do you pursue the emotions of love, joy, and hope? How do you mix the emotions of anger, sadness, and grief? And how do you squash the emotions of bitterness, greed, lust, fear, and anxiety? And it brings us right back to where we started. Emotions are the inner feelings that express what you think, believe, and value. Feelings show faith. So the only way to produce or change an emotion is to change what you think, believe, and value. In order to pursue love for God and others, you must first think about them. It sounds so simple, but the first step in pursuing the right godly emotions in your life is simply to think about God more. Read the Bible more. Listen to Christian music. Hang around with Christian people. Come to church. Just put your mind on God. Emotions start in the mind. What are you thinking about? What are you putting your your mind on? What What are you fixing your thoughts on? In order to pursue love for God and others, you must think about them. Especially, you must think about God's love for you. When you think about God, what do you think about Think about how he sent his one and only son into the world to die on a cross for you. How he demonstrated his love for you and how he says that because of Jesus, he will work all things together for your good. And you hear all these things about God. So you think about him and then you believe in his love. You believe in his promises. And then you value him above all else. When you think the right thoughts about God and believe the right things about him, it will be clear what's most valuable in this world. Pursue joy in God. You must think about him. You must believe he's the highest source of joy. You must value him above all else. To pursue hope in God, you must think about him. You must believe he's loving and all-powerful. You must value his purposes, his plans, his promises above your own. This is the way you pursue emotions. This is the way you mix emotions. This is the way you squash emotions. You think the right things. You believe the right things. You value the right things. And when you do, the right emotions follow. This is what it means when the scripture says, fight the good fight of faith. It means to fight for love, joy, and hope in God. Here's the way King David describes it in Psalm 16. Just as an example of what it looks like, King David was uh, in the middle of incredibly difficult circumstances in his life when he writes Psalm 16. He's got enemies all around him. He's tempted to be anxious. He's tempted to be afraid. He's tempted to be depressed. You read some of the other Psalms. David's an emotional mess half the time. But here's how he handles it. What do you do when you find yourself bombarded with All these thoughts, all these values, all these feelings, all these emotions that just seem crashing in on you sometimes. What do you do about it? What David did is he said, very simply, Psalm 16, starting in verse 8, the first thing he did is he thought. He did the think aspect of think, belief, and value. Here's what he says. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. 
He started with think, deliberately thinking about God, fixing his thoughts on God. It leads him right into believe. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. David expresses his belief in God's promise to him. Go down to verse 11. He thinks the right thoughts. He believes the right things. And now he's able to value the right things. Look at what he says in verse 11. He says, you make known to me the path of life. He looks at God's path compared to all the other paths. And he says, this one's better. The path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. He looks at God and his path and says, all the joy I'm looking for is going to be found here. In your presence, at your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. He thinks, he believes, he values. And what happens? Look at verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Think, believe, value, emotion, godly emotion of joy and gladness comes into your heart like fruit from a vine. This is how it works for us. It's how it worked for Riley in the movie. The rest of the movie really is about how Riley's emotions work together to refocus Riley on what really matters. Riley will only have the right mix of emotions that lead to the right decisions and actions when she thinks about the right things, believes the right things, and values the right things. Watch this. I just wanted Riley to be happy. Joy, you gotta fix this. Get up there. Sadness. It's up to you. Me? Sadness? Sadness? I can't, Joy. Yes, you can. Riley needs you. teacher hasn't even seen Riley all day. What? What was she wearing last? Do you even remember what... Riley! Oh, we were worried sick. Where have you been? It's so late.
want me to, but I miss home. I miss Minnesota. You need me to be happy, but I want my old friends and my hockey team. I want to go home. Please don't be mad. We're not mad. You know what? I miss Minnesota too. When you think the right things, believe the right things, and value the right things, joy and sadness can hold hands and work together in your life. And your emotions can be what they are supposed to be. They show your faith. Feelings show faith. This is how we need to live, by faith, with emotions that honor God and motivate us to live for him. We need to pursue love. We need to pursue joy. We need to pursue hope. We need to embrace sadness and mix it with joy. We need to embrace grief and mix it with hope. We need to embrace anger and mix it with love. We need to squash bitterness. We need to squash greed. We need to squash lust. We need to squash fear and anxiety. And if you're like me, you hear all of this. And I got to tell you, the past couple of weeks preparing this has been a real roller coaster ride for me, just coming to grips with these truths Because I feel like my emotional life is a bit stunted at times. I'm not the most emotional person around. And I look at how God commands us to feel. And I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit overwhelmed by it. And and a little bit helpless. I don't know if anybody feels this way with me today. So what do you do with this, right? Here's a moment. You're feeling overwhelmed. A little bit hopeless. These are emotions that need to be mixed with confidence, faith, hope, trust in a God who loves you and wants to help you. Do you know that that God wants to help? He wants to lead you into this so much so that he has given us a helper to be with us forever. (laughs) That helper is called the Holy Spirit that God has given to his people to help them Think the right things, believe the right things, value the right things, ask for his help. He helps us in our weakness, even when we don't know how to pray as we should. He helps us. So much so, do you realize that these emotions, that all, the, all of these emotions I've been talking about today, the scripture calls them the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and and self-control and faithfulness and all the rest, that the fruit of God's Spirit in your life, helping you to think the right things, believe the right things, value the right things, so that you can feel the right things. So I don't know about you, I want to take a step further into this. I want all that God has for me. I want all the love that he has, all the joy, all of the hope. I want to be able to mix the right emotions into my life so that I honor God and and reflect him to the world around me. I want my feelings to show that my faith is in God. Anybody with me on this? (laughs) Right? Let's just go to him in prayer and ask him to help us. That's probably the perfect way to end. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we love you because you first loved us. And in this moment, God, right now, we think about you. We think about how you've demonstrated and lavished your love upon us, how you've been so merciful to us and forgiving, how you didn't cast us aside in our sins, Lord, but you came to us in your anger over our sin. You came to help us. Sending your son into the world to bear the penalty that we deserved. And your anger, mixed with your love, held hands as Jesus died on a cross for us. And I look at Jesus in this moment and I am overwhelmed with love for him. And I pray for all of those in the room, Lord, that they would see him for who he is. And that their hearts would be filled with love for your son, just as you love him, that we would love him. And that all of the emotions that go with it, Lord, would flood into our souls so that we reflect your glory and your image to the world. God, help us. Give us your Holy Spirit. I pray for those in the room today who they don't know you at all. They've never put their faith in you. They have doubts and fears, Lord, to keep them from you. I pray that you would help them right now. Open their hearts, God, so they can see you for who you are. They can know you in truth, believe in you, and value you as the greatest treasure in the universe that you are. Lord, help us. (laughs) Fill us with your love, your joy, and your hope. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.